0: Listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Dustin Gold Standard. I am Dustin Gold, and you are listening to Payne.tv slash Gold. And our wonderful friend over here, Chris, from the International Monetary Fund. Ladies and gentlemen, let's continue. She's over here talking about these three things that they have to focus on here when it comes to rolling out the central bank digital currencies. All right, here we go. Roll the tape. Uh, Secondly, we have to think of the supply side,
1: the business models, and actually, Your Your Majesty, you touched upon it, the incentive structures, the institutional setup, uh, so they can be a CBDC payment system That is worth the costs that it it is going to uh, require Uh, from training to onboarding to ensuring data and cyber security. Uh, Last but not least, we do need to build it using lessons from existing payment systems. Like Indonesia that pioneered interoperable technologies such as standardized QR code. At the front, we have a very open mind. We want to learn from everybody. We want to offer a knowledge-sharing platform so the world can move with caution, Your Majesty, but move uh, forward.
0: And, and the thing is, they have to be moving forward, uh, in my opinion, very quickly, because if they want to build this off the back of COVID land, the high school theater production, which for many people, that's over in their mind, right? So it's going to be very difficult to run the CBDC adoption campaigns off the back of COVID land, the high school theater production, and with uh, this mass inflation. Right, So they have to time the release of a lot of these things around the problems they create. So the solution has to pop up in line with the problem and the reaction they provoke. Now, if they run worldwide inflation for the next uh, two, three, four, five years, there's going to be a lot of homeless people, all right? And I don't know if a lot of homeless people are going to be interested in walking around with a rice-sized microchip in the fleshy part of their hand between their thumb and index finger, all right? probably. Promises from the central bank that they're going to lift them up out of poverty, when the people will be blaming the central banks. Uh, I think just like during the Great Depression, so that bred a generation of a lot of people like my late great grandfather, who never had a bank account because he did not trust the banks because he grew up during the Great Depression. All right, he ran a speakeasy, so they have to be very careful about the rollout here. I personally believe they're a lot further ahead. Then they actually let on. I I think so. I think this has been in development for many years. I believe Bitcoin, I believe that most of crypto, if not all of it, was uh, part of actually testing out these systems. And now that we know that they're willing to work with the commercial banks and the regulated non-banks and these other financial institutions to make this happen and overlay CBDC using their blockchain technology built on top of Ethereum, utilizing companies contractors like consensus to do it and then combining it in with Visa, MasterCard, and other of these major, major players in the financial sector who already have access to merchants and consumers. This would all be on the retail side. I believe that they could advance this faster than many people actually are talking about or want to believe. I just for some reason I don't think that they're having these discussions uh, out in the open here, unless they're a lot further ahead than they actually claim to be. And they wouldn't be putting this stuff out on YouTube and letting us watch it unless this is part of, believe it or not, the propaganda campaign, the normalization, the adoption. Now, I'm not part of this. I'm sitting here warning you. I'm not trying to normalize it. I say that it's coming because I don't see anyone stopping it. And my plan in my personal life, and probably you have similar plans or are trying to figure this out, is how the hell you're going to navigate it, how you're going to live one foot in it and one foot out of it or totally withdraw from it altogether. That's why we're paying attention. I am in no way trying to normalize this crap. All right, I I do not want to live in a slave system. At the same time, if I knew this was coming 20 years ago, I would have designed my life a lot different, folks. I would have been checked out. I would have been living in some mountain in West Virginia somewhere, uh, baking bread in a fire 10 years ago, sitting there and laughing. at everyone like me and you trying to figure out how the hell we're going to navigate this thing. I, I mean, honestly, it's what I would have done. I'm not in a position right now, 41, to be able to do it. Uh, because I had a lot of a la- major life changes occur uh, in the last, A few years that even if I wanted to do it right now, I just can't. I just can't. So, you know, don't ever become uh, like normalized to this stuff. You just have to understand this is what's happening and we don't see a resistance. So, I don't understand how it's not going to happen. And I would assume because they're talking about it publicly that they're probably a hundred steps further into this than we are led on to believe. All right, let's continue.
1: Uh, So, the ships can navigate to safe harbor and earn the trust of the passengers for their voyage. Uh, With this, I want to wish the panel a very interesting discussion that is worth a royal presence.
0: Thank you. All right. So just one more thing, too. I I just want to point out to you, I mentioned before, blockchain, right, which everyone was told was going to be the savior of us, the blockchain. Folks, it's a block, a cinder block that they're chaining you to. Right to throw you overboard or to keep you locked down on the plantation, then she just goes out there, Chris, the managing director of the International Monetary Fund, and tells you CBDC is a ship, a ship that's going to go through rocky waters. It's a slave ship, folks. It's a slave ship. These people project. They're telling you what it is. Dan Golbach is going to go through some of this with us because he studied occultism and Kabbalah and the whole spiritual side of this. It really interests me. I don't talk a lot about it on this show because this isn't really a, a religious show, but I'm going to bring Dan on and just open the floor to hit him and let us talk all about this because he follows a lot of their symbols, the stuff they do out in public. He knows all about how it allows them to have a clean conscience. Uh, they have to have this uh, karma that's intact when they are done because they gave us a chance to revolt. But she just went out there. She told you. CBDC is this ship going through rocky water it's a slave ship folks it's a slave ship and she just said they want to put you all on it they want to put me on it they want to put you on it I mean this is who this woman is unbelievable I mean, unbelievable that they're out there talking about this stuff uh, right out in the open. And again, you can go find these videos. Some of them on YouTube that have a lot of views. It's less than 100,000 views. So people aren't even paying attention to this. It's so hard to comprehend. Most people would, let's say they watch this, they wouldn't understand what it is. The only reason I'm able to analyze it in depth like this and break it down is because we have studied all of the other pieces of this the technology we're looking at the timelines where they're working on cbdc all the projects the white papers so i have a pretty solid understanding of everything that's going on so when i hear them speak they put out one sentence i know the foundation behind what it is they're actually talking about. And now you do too. And uh, I think that's fantastic because the more people we can educate on this, the more people will actually resist it. You've got to wake up friends and family. There's uh, There's no harm in trying to wake up more people. Now, don't try to wake up people that don't want to uh be awoken from their nap people that just don't understand they're even enslaved and they don't really care that's a waste of your time don't go bang your head against a wall but people that you know that think they're woke on certain issues try to see if you can wake them up to some of the stuff we talk about here on the dust and gold standard all right folks let's continue chris is exiting stage left
1: And
2: thank you, Madam Gorgieva, for uh, launching this panel's ship and certainly to Her Majesty for providing her insight and oversight to our,
0: our panel today. All right, so this is Kathy from Bloomberg. I told you guys she covers... Um... A lot of, like, Federal uh, federal Reserve, Central Bank, stuff like that. Uh, let's, she's moderating this thing. Let's continue.
2: Uh, I'm Kathleen Hayes. I'm your moderator. Uh, I'm Global Economics and Policy Editor of Bloomberg Television and Radio in New York City. Very happy to be here in Washington, IMF World Bank meetings. It's always so exciting and interesting. I tell people it's like being at a giant cocktail party where you see someone across the room and you go to say hi to them and you're on your way over and then you see somebody else and then you turn around that one's gone, <laughs> but you see another person.
0: And I feel this sense. Yeah, that joke didn't even work, lady. It's a giant cocktail party. And you look across the room and you see one economic terrorist. And then you go over there to talk to them. But another economic terrorist jumps out in front of you. And they go, I'm the economic terrorist of the day. No, it's unbelievable. These people are just so weird. They're so strange. Uh, but you see the elitist attitude. You're at a giant cocktail party, and you see one important banker, scum lord, and then you try to go talk to him, but some other creepy central banker comes out of the shadows, and you've got to talk to him instead. I mean, these people are nuts. All right, let's continue.
2: This year, being back here in person, everybody together, there's just an extra sense of what can I call it? Excitement, maybe a little bit of joy to see people and and meet new people. So, and I'm again, I'm I'm truly honored to be here moderating this panel. It's a very, very important one with some knowledgeable and very interesting people. So, uh, I want to start by introducing them, and they right in a row.
0: she said people more times than trump like at a rally when he said the wonderful people the great people so incredible love people hate people terrible people horrible people wonderful great terrible horrible people all of you people in this room so great so stupid so dumb so smart so intelligent we love the dumb ones dumb ones are great smart ones are okay too unbelievable people so fantastic people are people and some people have no idea what other people have said but I have never said this, but other people have said it. People are people, and we love them all. Believe me. Unbelievable, folks.
2: Oli, Deputy Managing Director at the IMF. Cecilia Skingsley is the head at the BIS Innovation Lab. Fascinating what they're doing, moving ahead all these issues of CBDC, fast payments and inclusion. Vera Sangwe, so much work in Africa to move these issues forward as well. Chair of the Liquidity and Sustainability Facility and co-chair of the High-Level Panel on Climate Finance for the UN. Perry Wargiro, one of the countries moving ahead. They're not waiting for CBDC. (laughs) They're drawing up the map and doing a whole lot more. Governor, Bank Indonesia,
0: welcome to you all. Okay, so again here, folks, I'll just refresh your memory. We've got Kathy. She is the host from Bloomberg, covers central banks and the Federal Reserve. You have Bo there. He is uh, managing director over at the International Monetary Fund. You've got CeCe. Uh, she is from the Bank for International Settlements Innovation Hub. You've got Vera out of the United Nations and the World Bank. And then you got Perry. He is a central banker, the head of the Bank of indonesia ladies and gentlemen so when we get back let's jump right in to this enlightening discussion on the slave ship they're going to bring us on to Bring us to the land of unicorns and cotton candy, where all of us will have digital currency programmed by the central bankers, a system of total control. Ladies and gentlemen, I am going to take a total break. I'll be right back. This Dust and Gold with the Dust and Gold Standard right here on slash gold. More listening to the Dust and Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at Pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard. On Payne.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Pain.tv slash gold. My name is Dustin Gold, and you are listening to the Dustin Gold Standard. All right, ladies and gentlemen, before the break, I reintroduce you to the wonderful cast of economic terrorists sitting up on the stage at the International Monetary Fund, Central Bank Digital Currencies for Financial Inclusion Risks and Rewards, right? This is the panel discussion from October 2022. All right, let's get to this uh, panel of international criminals, the international bankers, ladies and gentlemen.
2: Before we get started, we want you to hear some thoughts from the IMF Youth Fellowship Program. This is a very interesting group. It gives an opportunity to 30 young professionals from around the world. You have to make it through, be at the top of 4,000 applications, Uh, and the idea is they join this group. They want to be part of global efforts, build forward better, and uh, joining the IMF at the forefront to respond to current crises and potential crises. So let's listen to them share their thoughts on digital payments and financial inclusion.
0: All right, folks. Yeah, so financial inclusion, again, I told you that's their tagline. Everyone is included on the slave plantation. No man will be left behind on this plantation. So you're going to see 30 kids. Out of 4,000 that applied. So there were 4,000 potential up-and-coming economic terrorists. Only 30 were chosen. And this is like Peter Thiel's foundation, right? The Thiel Fellowship, where he pays kids uh, hundred grand to drop out of college and work on projects for two years that then he comes and invests in if he likes them. So this is it, folks. This is uh, Central Bank Youth, like Hitler Youth, ladies and gentlemen. So this is it. Future technocratic economic terrorists. Here we go. Let's have a listen. In
1: 10 years, payments will change towards a semblance of a cashless society. It will be a battle between cash and mobile money. I make most of my payments, most. Literally all of my payments using my mobile phone. Historically, I use cash for transactions, but in recent times I use digital payment platform for over 60% of my transactions. We must remember that more people have access to mobile phones than they do bank
3: accounts in developing countries. I think a central bank digital payments app that prioritizes interoperability and accessibility can really leverage the uptake of mobile phones in low-income countries to drive financial inclusion invest a lot more in showing, rather than just telling, but showing the impact of financial inclusion and how that it extends beyond just having a transaction account.
1: I believe strongly that this is the future of the financial sector and it's critical for that to be done.
0: So, yeah, three uh, Africans and one nerdy white guy. That's what made up that group there, if you're over at the uh, audio podcast. So I don't know if that's representative of the, the 30 total. That 75% of them are uh, uh, Nigerian uh, print scammers uh, in uh, part-time when they're not operating as economic terrorists. But apparently, that is the cream of the crop there, folks. That's the top uh, four of the top 30 of the top 4,000. Ladies and gentlemen, 4,000. So that's pretty incredible. All of them are on board with this. So you can see, this is the future. Over the next five to 10 years, there'll be a battle between cash and digital payments. So these guys are trained up. They're ready to rock. They're ready to bring in this system of total slavery ladies and gentlemen all right let's continue with the annual meeting here at the international monetary fund
2: so a better way to get started uh with our with our discussion here today there's so many issues and i want to start with you bo uh you know one of the things that madame gorgeva just mentioned was looking at the demand side supply side uh, when, I look, when I see these young people so eager, I think there's a lot of us older people, you know, whether we need inclusion or not, in terms of our use of these things. There's a lot of mistrust, there's a lot of doubt, but when you look at the demand side, that's the demand side, supply side barriers, uh, what are the, the ones, when, when it comes to inclusion in particular, that CBDC is potentially so well designed to address?
0: Inclusion. Now, remember, this woman is a journalist, supposedly, right? She's the managing editor of Bloomberg uh, Finance Radio and TV or whatever. You think they'd be doing some journalism. No, as you could see, she's actually just a propagandist. She's a propagandist for the central banks. She's a propagandist for central bank digital currency. She doesn't question it. She never asks if it's a system of total control. She doesn't say, wow, this sounds like the systematic control of the media. Means of production and the distribution of goods and services. What about this programmable money stuff? Do you think it's a little weird that the central bank could program what people can spend on, who they can buy from, when they can buy, where they can buy, uh, what time of day they can buy, what kind of products they can buy? No, no, she doesn't bring that up, folks. She's a complete and total propagandist for the central bank industrial complex. All right, let's continue.
3: Thank you. Thank you, Kathleen, for that question. Um,
0: now, now, this is Bo Lee here. This is Bo Lee. He is uh, uh, managing, deputy managing director of the International Monetary Fund. Little tiny guy. Kind of looks like Yoda. All right, let's continue. Yoda from Star Wars, you know. No, I do. Yeah, that's him. All right, let's continue.
3: The way we see it, uh, CBDC has the potential to break barriers to improve uh, financial inclusion at least uh, in three aspects. The first aspect is that um, it can lower the hurdle for using money substantially for several groups. One group is uh, those people without bank account. and Another group will be those people without smartphone because CBDC does not even require smartphone. Actually, the third group that CBDC can potentially help is those people without internet access, without phone, because CBDC can be stored in a store-value card.
0: So these are the potential group of people that CBDC can help. Okay, and and let let me stop right there. So he says, people that are unbanked, right? We know that is a catchphrase. Uh, people that have no smartphone and people that have access to no internet because it could be used on a stored card. So you're walking around with a credit card with CBDC or a debit card with CBDC. That's where Visa comes into play in all of this. And you can just spend it. Of course, you don't know what your balance is, right? Unless, of course, like I said, they'll have kiosks around uh, like ATM machines where you can check your balance and such. So... They can already do that. People can already do that in places where, let's say, they don't have the Internet. That can already be done. Now, as far as the unbank goes, uh, right here in the United States, because we know they use that here as well, I just want to show you some numbers real quick. This is from banking. Uh, dive.com. It says COVID-19 brought unbanked percentage to record low, FDIC says. Well, the reason why that happened is, if you remember, when they were handing out the stimulus checks, they were forcing folks to basically go online and attach your bank account to the COVID stimulus to get your check Quicker to get your payment quicker, otherwise you had to wait for a check, and they were telling people there was a backup. Remember the USPS, United States Post Office had a backup, there was all these problems, COVID shut it down. That was all intentional, all orchestrated, in my opinion. In my opinion, it only makes sense. It's common sense, which is what we use here. So they orchestrate this supply chain collapse in the delivering of the mail to force people to open a bank account. Uh, which they made it really easy to do online. Remember, all that changed during COVID-land, the high school theater production. So you can open a bank account, then go on the IRS site, plug in your bank account number, and attach that up to your social security number and then get your payment right away. But if you look at these numbers... This is from October 26, 2022. It says an estimated 4.5% of Americans representing 5.9 million households lacked a bank or credit union account in 2021. That represents the lowest national unbanked rate since the regulator began tracking the data in 2009. But then it says right here, roughly 1.2 million more households are banked compared with 2019 figures the FDIC found. Nearly half of newly banked households that received pandemic relief payments said the payments contributed to their decision to open a bank account. That's what I just told you, right? So they opened the bank account so they could get the payment. But you're looking at this. 5.9 million households lacked a bank or credit union account in 2021. Now, I'm over at... U.S. Government Accountability. This is GAO.gov. And I just want to show you uh, some numbers I found here. It says, why might someone not have a bank account? And it says, consumers cited several reasons why they did not have a bank account. Oh, and I'm sorry, folks. I didn't put this up on the screen for the video audience at pain.tv gold. I meant to do that. So I'm going right back here to bankingdive.com. So ladies and gentlemen, you can look this up. The title of the article, COVID-19 brought unbank percentage to record low, FDIC says. But now we're back at the GAO, Government Accountability Office. And the question is, why might someone not have a bank account? Consumers cited several reasons why they did not have a bank account. Among the top three reasons, consumers said that not having enough money, high or unpredictable fees, and distrust of banks were reasons they didn't have accounts. Okay, other reasons cited by consumers included privacy concerns, not qualifying for an account, banks not offering the needed services, and the inconvenience of bank hours and locations. So look at some of the reasons here that that 5.9 million people would not actually want to have one, right? And so you have high or unpredictable transaction fees. Distrust of banks. That means the people don't want it. They're on bank because they don't want it. Other reasons cited. Privacy concerns. Yeah, they don't want to be hacked. They don't want the government spying on them. Uh, and then you have... Um, the bank's not offering the services they need, so they don't need the bank, and inconvenience of bank hours and locations. All right, so these are people that don't want it. Now, finally here, I have a CNBC.com article from March 9, 2019, so this predates COVID, but you have 25% of U.S. households are either unbanked or underbanked. All right, Underbanked means nothing. That just means the state doesn't like that you uh, aren't banking. And so it says, according to a 2017 survey by the FDIC, 25% of U.S. households are unbanked or underbanked. More than half of unbanked households cited not having enough money to keep an account. All right. So they're poor. So why have a bank account? It says more than half of unbanked households cited not having enough money to keep in an account. 30% said they don't trust banks, and 9% reported banks are an inc- uh, inconvenient location, according to the survey. So 30% say they don't trust the bank. So I've got other numbers here. When you take the $5.9 million that are supposedly unbanked. You remove 30% from that. You're down to 4 million now. And I found some other statistics that actually brings that down to less than 2 million. Less than 2 million that are supposedly unbanked because they don't have enough money to say keep a bank account open or they don't have a location near them. But the rest of them are all people that don't trust the bank and don't want bank accounts. So you're going to put CBDC into place for all 350 to and 75 million people here in the United States because less than 2 million supposedly can't have a bank account because there's not a branch near them. Well, they can go online and open a bank account online now. They don't need a branch. So it's a total scam. So wipe that one off the radar. This unbanked and banked unbanked and underbanked is a complete and total lie it's propaganda complete and total lie that's just a way that they create this idea of this fancy word of inclusion which is a lie as well inclusion means forcing all 375 million people in the united states into the system whether you like it or not it's called coercion not inclusion ladies and gentlemen i'll be right back this is dustin gold with the dustin gold standard right here on pain.tv slash gold